perfect spice choices for healthy food is important to manage chronic diseases. We have focused on a specific line of spices that can really fit your diabetic lifestyle. Our spice flavors are a game changer. We have created unique blends of all-purpose seasonings that are salt-free, gluten-free, with no additives and preservatives, great for chronic conditions like high blood pressure, obesity, and heart disease. These spices contain antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal properties, and improve digestive function and metabolism. Choose Diabetic Cuisine Spices for your family to feel more safe, confident, and support healthy aging. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Transparency Talks Podcast. I am your girl, Butterbee Rocka. Listen, we have an amazing show for you today. I'm really excited to speak to this young lady. Her name is Bobby Dyer. She is the executive producer, co-creator of Breakthrough, a mental health journey, and she is the president of Dyer Mortgage. Hi. How are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Okay, so what I would like to do is just dive on in, but before we dive in, in into you know what you're doing, can you give a little background about yourself? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Bobby Dyer, and for the most part, I grew up either in the Boston area or in Colorado. I moved to Florida about 30 years ago and have set up my career and um, been in the mortgage business for most of my career. I also have a couple of other businesses I own, and I'm a writer. And two years ago, I got in the mortgage business to be executive producer for a movie. Wow. Okay. There you go. So just now talking about your movie, you are the executive producer and co-creator of Breakthrough, a mental health journey. Can you give everyone a quick synopsis about it? Sure. So um, a little over two years ago, unfortunately, my son died. He had some mental health issues and he came into accidental contact with fentanyl and he died almost instantly. And it's such a tragedy what happens with mental health in this country and the lack of resources that I started thinking about it and I met with Josh Painter, who's a local director. And we decided to film this movie because we thought it was important, it has a message, and it can change the narrative of mental health in America. So we follow five different stories in the movie. We follow the story of my son, who passes away, and then we follow four stories that have a positive ending. We follow a gal that was a ballerina and had an eating disorder a gal that um, is in Los Angeles and was assaulted, a gentleman that came back from Iraq with PTSD, and an athlete that also had some mental challenges. So we follow their stories, their journey, and see how things go pretty much from start to finish, what kind of led up to their, their issues, and then how they got through it, and then how they're doing so great on the other side. And we wanna share those messages and share some positivity around mental health in America. Well, first of all, my condolences about your son. Well, thank you, I appreciate that. Do you feel that mental health issues have skyrocketed during COVID? It absolutely has. I read some studies that show one in five people right now have an issue with um, COVID 
around COVID with mental health in America. And that's being underreported in my opinion. If you look at what's happening, look with our elderly people who, you know, have basically had no contact with their family, their grandchildren, how they've been shut in so much. You look at people that have been, you know, with parents with small children, they're not getting the interaction that they should have with others. And just the overall negativity in the country around COVID has really started to take a toll on people with their mental health. And I still I think that we're gonna see it for many years and decades to come. Wow. I definitely see what you mean. You know, living in isolation and struggling with stress has definitely disrupted mental health services. Can you give some tips or strategies to cope with mental health? Sure. Um, one of the things we do in the movie is we try to describe some best practices and we try to teach people how to help a little problem from becoming a big problem. Sometimes if you get some help or get some resources allocated to you or even be able to talk to somebody that you trust, you can help yourself and help others to not get it where it gets to such a, a tragedy. So one of the things that we teach people is instead of saying, how are you? Everyone answers, fine. Mm -hmm. Say, tell me how you're doing. So if you ask an open-ended question like that, someone, especially if you think they might have been a little bit sad, more sad lately, or if you know that they've had some kind of trauma in their life, it's really a great idea to try to reach out to them. And, you know, we're not saying that people are all going to become mental health experts, but there are some things that you can learn to do yourself. And I think that those are really important. So we'll have a lot of resources on our website um, when the movie's released and things that in the movie that we can teach people. But one of the number one thing is just say, tell me how you're doing. And that'll allow people to open up. Mm -hmm. I like the open ended question because you're right. Typically, how you doing? I'm fine. And then you just leave it at that. And you, just you know, they're not fine. Right. They're, they're right. So not fine. Right. How does one like step in if you know that someone is not fine, but they're not saying anything because they don't want help? Right. You know, how do you one, I guess, how do you see the signs? Because it could just be, you know, you said your your son or I, I know a young lady who was 13 once COVID happened that took her life. Mm-hmm. And it it could be, you know, what's going on around you. But again, like they like you said, they everything is just fine. So how do you see the signs to be able to help? Because sometimes you don't want to approach because, you know, people are irritated they included and they don't want help. I think the most important thing is for people to know that you care and that you have compassion. That's Mm -hmm. probably one of the most important things. Even if, you know, you have a position that you you can't talk to them right that minute, but send them a nice text. Say, I just want you to know that I care about you, that you matter. Little things like that. I know for me, after my son died, sometimes there were days that, you know, I didn't know how I was going to get out of bed and I would get a text from somebody, excuse me, And it would be just, I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you today. And it would change the narrative. It would change how my day was going to go. So even if you think that the person might be closed off to getting some mental health counseling, start with something simple. Ask them if they want to go to lunch. See if they want to have a FaceTime call with you for a few minutes. And if they say no, keep trying. It's totally fine if they say no at first. But I think you'll find that a lot of times people will open up if they are asked to a couple of times. And there's some doctors in the movie that do some great, great narratives Um, in in our movie about what to do about mental health in America. And I think people really enjoy hearing that as well. We're taking a pause for the calls. It's your girl, Butter B. Rock, the Transparency Talks podcast, baby. Listen, this is one of my singles entitled Strange Love featuring Homer Mac. Make sure you check out the music video and download the song. to 
to take it there or would you open up your heart from the start it was over but i see you couldn't see my insane reality is that my love is so strange but you know that's how love goes i said my love is so strange but you know that's how love goes girl i i'm sick and tired of playing those games my pretty baby I like breakthrough. Actually, I have three partners in the movie and one of them came up with it. And my, um, I call, well, we all kind of did it together, but my bonus son is what I call him is my son's little brother who I did not meet until my son died. But at the funeral, I met him and we've been pretty much inseparable since then. And I call him my bonus son. So he actually said to me, you don't have to say bonus son, just say I'm your son. And his mother's really cool with that. So, um, he came up with the title of breakthrough leaving. We went through about a hundred titles. We, um, you know, it's really hard to name a movie because we didn't know exactly how the movie was going to progress. So we're mm -hmm. trying to name it when we were only partly through uh, shooting. But we shot in four cities. And as the movie developed, Charles came up with the breakthrough. And then we kind of collaborated on it a little bit. And that's how we got the movie, Breakthrough, A Mental Health Journey. That's that's wonderful. I just did my first film and it was very nerve wracking, you know, trying to. <laughs> yeah. I directed it. I wrote it. I starred in it. I produced it. So it was a lot. You had help, so that's a good thing. But how was it seeing it behind the lens and being behind the scenes of getting this project done? How was that feeling? It was, it's just incredible. The three partners I have involved, and just to give the shout out, is Josh Painter and Joshua Adams and Justin Snyder. And they are just so talented. We're all talented in different um, things. 
but you know when the four of us came together you got four really opposite people but we thought that our message was great we thought that if we got the right people and were able to spotlight them that would really make a difference and so once we did my son's uh, story first it got a little bit easier mm-hmm. that was the first that was the, the biggest uh, nut to crack so that was the icebreaker and you know i wrote about it and wrote about it and wrote about it for you know for two years and i've interviewed so many people that have so many great stories um, you know, I probably talked to 20 different people with postpartum depression with what do you do if you're terminally ill? What do you do if you know somebody that's terminally ill? What about if you have a terminally ill child? How does that help? You know, what happens to your mental health in your family? And there's a point in the movie where I say, it's not if you're going to have a mental health crisis in your life, it's when. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that everyone goes through something. And I think it's just time in this country to rip the bandaid off and change the narrative instead of, you know, treating mental health as some kind of you know, one-off, you know, disease of something that's really wrong with you. It's no different than if you had cancer or a broken leg. You know, you don't say to somebody, you know, oh, you're going to mental health services. What's wrong with you? You don't say that if they have cancer, but they don't go to their oncologist. Right. Why the difference? And I really think if people could understand what it feels like and what people are going through, if they could relate to somebody on a, on a level that they understand, I think it'll make a huge difference. And we try to have each person in our movie be very relatable to mm-hmm. um, you know all different kinds of stories, all different races, all different sexes. Okay. So you started with your own son's story. How cool. tough was that? Because I could imagine, I could imagine that was rough. It was rough. It was rough. Uh, originally, we were going to do the documentary just about my son, but I wasn't really comfortable with the story just about him. I wanted it to be to have some success stories. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, there were days where it was rough. I can tell you that there were a lot of days that I didn't know if I was going to get through it. It's a very painful thing to talk about. Right. And I, only had, I only had one child. I had him when I was very young and I was a single mom for most of it. So, you know, when you lose your only child, I had just seen him two days before he died. He was doing great. You know, the last text message I got from him was, mom, I love you. I'm doing the best I've ever done in my life. And, you know, he had a job and he had a girlfriend and just really, really doing well. And, you know, he made a bad choice to come into contact with something, but he didn't, he didn't sign up to take fentanyl, but you know, kids now they can get pills over the internet. Somebody can give you something and you don't know what it is. And the same week that my son died, five other kids died. Oh, wow. In the vicinity. So from a batch of something, they have fentanyl now and in Xanax, they have it in pain pills, they have it in the illegal drugs and they make it look like it's real. But I tell kids that I speak to now, let me tell you something, you don't get a second chance. Mm-hmm. You know, what you see on TV and people don't live forever. If you make that choice, it could be the last choice that you make. Yeah. So it was very, very hard to do it. But I found it very therapeutic. And I found that, you know, I said that when my son died, I know God has a plan. I just don't like the plan right now. Yeah. So what, so what I just had to do was get through it day by day. And I had some girlfriends and some friends, to be honest with you, that they literally picked me up off the floor. There were days where I just said, I'm not getting up. And the movie gave me some kind of an outlet to work for. And yeah. to, share his, to share his story as a positive, my son, since he was you know 10 years old, would write about equal rights, and I really wanted his message to be to be seen by others. He wrote a paper when he was in fourth grade. It was about a month after 9/11. It's why I'm proud to be American. And he said, "I'm proud to be American because of freedom. People are treated equally. Women are not stoned to death for you know doing something their husband doesn't like." And he really he talked about that as a 10 year old. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I looked at his Facebook recently and went through some of his old memories where he's organizing protests for equal rights for people and human rights. So I thought that story needs to be shared. Not that Jesse made one bad mistake. Right. And so that kind of turned it into a positive for me. And I truly believe that this film will save lives. And I truly believe it'll make a difference in people's lives. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. Even just hearing you talk about it, you're giving different scenarios and different people's stories and somebody can relate to something. You know? Exactly, exactly. In the movie, they, we got such wide races, such wide sexes, such wide different stories that I think people can relate to something, some portion of it. And even if it doesn't apply to you, it probably mm -hmm. applies to somebody that you know. Exactly, exactly. And why not have a have some you know basic skills that you know we can do to help other people? And eventually, it's going to happen to you. There's going to be something in your life where you're going to need some either mental health counseling or at least know the steps for yourself of how you can help yourself heal. Mm -hmm. So when does the film officially come out? Um, probably it's it's done. So probably in the uh, early summer, we're looking to have it uh, released. We're talking to some different yeah, we're talking to some different streaming services now, and um, I can't say too much on that, but we are hope for a pretty big announcement here shortly. So without further ado, I present to you Miss La Chardon with Ready to Love. So I wanted to tell you how I really feel. And, um, <laughs> I, I used to think that love was impossible, yeah, until you came along, that is, until you came along, that is, oh, yeah. Babe, I was so alone, so alone, nothing could help at all, help at all, it's my days up with writing working and the movie writing working in the movie so if i just do that over and over and over again it keeps my mind so busy that i don't have time to to think about um you know a lot of the 
badness and the sadness and things in the world right now. It's, yeah. it's you know, I used to watch the news a lot. It's just kind of not impressing. It's yeah, very, I very polarizing. I, you know, I, I stopped watching it. I switched to I switched to music. Yeah. And I just listen to a lot of music now. Um, it's you know, at some point you just get tired of hearing the negativity. And our country is so great. We have so much more in common than we have apart. I love watching the Olympics and watching that spirit of people coming together, regardless of their differences. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that through our movie and possibly some more movies or a TV show to come, that it'll be it'll be something that people can look forward to. And I know I look forward to doing it. It's really fun. Yeah, it is. Mortgage business is fun. Don't get me wrong. I love my mortgage company, but um, the, more, the the movie business is fun. I've had more time for my writing too. I do some sports writing and I do some. I write a column about finance. So if I just fill my days with all those things, there's not too much left to be sad about. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So do you? That's why I pivot. Yeah. <laughs> so do you recommend therapy? Because you know a lot of people don't don't like to do therapy because they feel like that's admitting that something is wrong and therapy doesn't mean that something is wrong therapy just means that you need to talk to somebody and get some things off your chest that could possibly help you i am a huge fan of therapy i am not embarrassed to say i've had therapy for 25 years mm -hmm. um, you know on and off it's not always on but i look at that do you not go to your doctor for your annual physical right no you do that do you not go to your dentist you do that so what's wrong with talking to something about your mental health even if you're doing terrific it's nothing wrong with you know, if you have somebody that maybe is close to you that you think you might be able to help, there's nothing wrong with going and getting services with talking to somebody. And I interviewed some college students and I asked them about mental health and what they feel is when they would need professional help. And a lot of them said to me, they really think that if they go to a psychiatrist or something, it must be really serious. You know, only people that are schizophrenic or very, very serious get that kind of treatment. And and that's true that, you know, not everyone's going to go see a psychiatrist or may not need that. But there's nothing wrong with getting some some help. There's nothing wrong with talking to somebody. There's so many great services now that you can do online or virtual. Um, there's so many self-help groups that you can go to. And there's nothing wrong to it. It's no different going to your dentist, no different than going to your doctor. So if anyone wants an endorsement for going to mental health, I'm there. So why do you think people don't want to go? The stigma. They don't want to have a stigma on them. They don't want people to say they're just going to snap out of it. You don't snap out of it. You don't snap out of your cancer. You don't snap out of your broken leg. And there's no difference to it. And I think people are worried that if they're ever labeled as having a mental health issue. I know, because this is the first time I've been publicly speaking about it. I know I will get some blowback on this. That people say, oh, well, she must have mental health issues. Okay, I admit it. Over the years, I've had mental health issues. And my father died, my son died. If you think that you're going to get that unscathed, you're not. Right. So, you know, but I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to get labeled as, you know, a freak or something's wrong with me into my regular business. Yeah. And, you know, who, who would want to sign up for that? You know, not me. So I'm I'm out here to say, rip the bandaid off and go for it. It will make your life better. What do you have to lose? What do you absolutely have to lose yeah. to make your life better? Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking real deep, Miss Bobby Dyer. <laughs> I know we got off track of the movie there. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to switch it up a little bit. You've been in the mortgage banking industry for over 30 years. How has the industry changed over the years for you? Pros and cons. Oh, sure. Well, when I started in the mortgage business, I know I'm going to date myself here. We had the fax machines with those thermal paper that used to roll <laughs> off. We used to do wire transfers that way. We used to not have a computer that would do the loan application and things for you. We used to use a calculator, which I still use my calculator because I'm old school. But the technology has greatly, greatly changed. And the ability for people to buy a home has changed. You know, a lot of times in the olden days, 
actually olden days, in prior years, that sounds better, that people really would have to have a larger down payment. They couldn't buy a home if they didn't have perfect credit. So now there's so many programs available that people can buy a home. And just to be clear, not everyone should be a homeowner. Not everyone should be. If you're going to be moving, if you're, you know, not sure about your situation with your job, you know, it's probably better to wait a little bit and it's probably right. to rent. But if your goal is to own a home, you should talk to a, a lender, talk to a local lender in your area and see what your options are. So the changes with the technology are tremendous. When I started in the mortgage business, there wasn't credit reports. There wasn't credit scoring. So how did you, how did you, you know, prove people? You cross our fingers. We crossed our fingers and said, no, we didn't cross our fingers. What we did was we would get a written report from their references. They would get a reference from their bank or their landlord, but there was no such thing as a credit score. Wow. And now you have a score you see on TV, people are promoting, you know, improving your credit score. I tell young people that I mentor and I tell young girls when I speak to them, you have to be the CEO of you. And one of the things is managing your finances and understanding money, the flow of money, understanding what a checking account is, understanding what credit cards are, understanding the pros and cons of using them. So the amount of information that's available now to buy a home is just tremendous. I know on our website, diamondmortgage.com, if I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> um, we have resources for consumers to read and they can see exactly what they need to do for their next steps and have some realistic expectations. So some things that have changed, I would say, over the last couple of decades are the speed at which something can be done. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it used to take months to close a loan. Now we can do it in a couple of weeks. Um, the more available for loan programs and the more flexibility that there is now. We certainly do things a lot differently with technology now than when I started. And we actually took a pen and wrote out loan applications on a piece of paper. We don't do that anymore. We could, but we don't. Well, that it takes a long time to do all them papers. For sure. It, there's, and I tell people, just be patient. We do want to see your tax returns in some cases. Sometimes mm -hmm. we just need your W-2 and your pay stub, but it doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't cost anything to sit down and talk to somebody and see what your might, might be good for your budget. There's nothing like buying your first home. I bought mm -hmm. my first home when I was 19 years old and I paid $19,500 for it. And it was one of the greatest days of my life. And that's a lot of times how you can accumulate wealth. If you mm -hmm. buy one home and live there for a year, for a few years, and then you buy your next home, and then your next home. Yeah. And just be smart about it. I tell people, don't be a slave to your house. Don't, you know, you don't need the fanciest house in the neighborhood. Get something that you can afford and that you can still have a comfortable life with and that you can still put money away for savings. Yeah. Very good advice. I bought my house when I was 23. Good girl. That's awesome. Yay. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. We're taking another pause for the cause. This is my boy forever. Neff 150. This is sympathy, y'all. For you to be. Come take a walk, come and build with me here. Pick a spot, now sit and watch how the hood's with me. We put in work, conversation at a minimum. I'm straightforward, no loose ends, remember who? Stick to the script, blueprint of an architect. Strictly about business, that other shit. Step off with that. I'm cold hearted when it comes to my cash flow. I switch lanes and you ain't got good brain, that's my last. Terrible, ain't it? Fourth quarter flow so faded. I brush them off like I just finished painting. But young, the straight villains, they don't know how to chill. But can you tell the hungry who gotta search for his meals? And that precious 
we don't know about Keep the sawed off in the couch That's the thing I learned in the South New Jersey birthed me Atlanta adopted me Internationally known So ain't nobody stopping me Treated like Monopoly And trap house your property Bootleg your backyard And have the hood work for me mm, Yeah Bosses do what bosses do Feel me? Yeah, I never really cared for the bully type You crossed me wrong, I show you with that bullet like Too many haters, too many envy, too many skill Too many fake, too many n- thinking they real See y'all chill, you gotta watch who you deal with Cause anybody and everybody ain't who to chill with See Marvin Gaye used to tell us how to sex a woman Never did he elaborate on how to respect a woman I take it serious, point blank period Yeah, I laugh and joke, but truthfully I ain't feeling it You lightweight fam, you don't understand my plan I'm trying to brand my new shit in Japan You thinking locally, see everything I write is like poetry Can't compare you to me at all, I'm poetry Streets may tell you what you want, but I ain't hearing it Everything that nigga learned, I learned off experience Devon showed me how to hustle, no fear for it Major move, making clear that you can see I'm living it Uh you can tune in to Transparency Talk Podcast, including Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Blaze One Radio in Atlanta, Squeaky Radio in Detroit, Glass FM in Nigeria, Soul City to Beat in Italy, London's Energy Radio in London, Rock Dan Radio in Canada, Soul Fusion Radio in South Africa, and Q-Mix Radio in Japan. You can listen in to any of the stations by going to butterbiraka.com. That's B-U-T-T-A-B-R-O-C-K-A.com. Follow me on all social medias at Transparency Talks Podcast, also at Butterbiraka. And subscribe today to my YouTube channel at Transparency Talks Podcast. So what do you think is the benefits of having a boutique company versus a large company? That's a great question. So one thing for us is uh, we don't say that they are files. We say that they are families. We don't say, you know, oh, we have a file for this and a file for that. We are helping families. Mm-hmm. And in our case, you know, I do loans all over Florida, but most of my business is in the Brevard County area. We're by the Space Center. And there's something about being boutique where you care about the customer's experience so much, you're on a first name basis with them. Mm-hmm. The person that calls you that's doing their loan, they call you, they get you. Yeah, you have a team that's with you and can cover for you. But for the most part, you're dealing with someone that truly cares about your situation. And we also go deeper into their needs. We don't just say to them, oh, here's the rate. We look for other things that might be helpful for them. For example, if they want to refinance and we see that they have some large outstanding debt, we can look at it and say, well, possibly we could restructure this to give you a better cash flow. Mm-hmm. Or I see that you've got two kids. They're 14 and 16. What are you going to do for college? So we try to be their partner for life and really show them the benefits of buying a home. And we also tell them sometimes it's not a good time for them to buy a home. Sometimes mm-hmm. the, the right advice 
is not always the popular advice, but if it, if it can save them from making a really big mistake, then we want to be part of that solution. Mm -hmm. So a local lender does more of the of the one-on-one -on -one, and we look at the whole big picture. We just don't take your loan over the phone. And yes, you know, I love some of these companies that say they get a loan application done in eight minutes and approve it. Well, I can approve a loan in eight seconds. It doesn't mean it's going to be accurate by just uploading data. It really takes a person to look at it. So we try to combine really fast speed with also the boutique part of customer service and making sure that we're addressing all of their needs. Okay. I've even helped unpack. I've helped move. <laughs> you don't get that every time, but I have done it. Oh, wow. So you have closed over 10,000 loans over your this career. This is what true. do you to be one of the leading experts in the country? In your oh, yes, yes. I am one of the leading experts in the country. Um, I have, uh, I can expert witness testify. I write a column about finance that's sometimes published in USA Today or sometimes it even goes worldwide. So um, yes, it's when you have that much experience, there's nothing I haven't seen. I, I mean, we've had closings canceled because there was an alligator in the backyard. You name it, I have seen it. it you can't make this stuff up, you really can't. But um, there's just something really fun about the mortgage business too. It's fun helping people realize their dreams. And it's fun when you refinance them and they're like, I'm gonna save $500 a month. There's something really satisfying about that. But um, I'm an expert, especially in VA loans. That's one of my specialty. And also I do loans that are complex. If they've a uh, CEO of a company has got nine corporations and 600 pages of tax returns, that's right up my alley. Send it over. Jeez. Those are the ones I like. <laughs> okay. Well, what I've noticed is nowadays teenagers that's coming straight from high school, some of them are going right into real estate. Correct. What would you give a young person starting out? Be prepared to work hard. There is no substitute for hard work. A good friend of mine, his son is 19, went right from high school to selling real estate and he's doing terrific. College isn't for everybody. Sometimes college is for you. So keep an open mind about what you want to do, but be prepared to work hard and try to get as good of communication skills as you possibly can. There is nothing that's more annoying than getting a resume with all kinds of words shortened and you know emojis on it. And um, try, to remember, try, to remember, try to remember to be professional. And if you don't know what that looks like, you know, Google it or look it up how to do a professional resume. And, you know, especially when you're communicating with somebody and please don't get an email for your resume. That's like, you know, I love to party.com. You know, you're not going to get a call back. So try to look at things as your employer or your future employer would look at. That's one of the advice, pieces of advice that I give. But um, it's uh, it's been a fun journey for sure. Definitely. Lots of fun stories in the mortgage business. You name it, we've seen it. So do you also flip homes and stuff too? Um, I haven't really flipped homes. I have, I've owned, I think, 23 homes in my life. So I have bought some investment property. Mm -hmm. um, typically a true flip, you buy it and then fix it up and you sell it right away in 30 days. I'm more of a buy and hold person. I okay. bought a property, fixed it up and then sold it like in a year. Okay. So that's primarily my goal. I find that if you try to chase the flip, the flip can turn into a flop. And the Trishy's TV shows are wonderful, but they've got a, they're not showing you what really happens sometimes. And even though it says, you know, they bought it for 200,000 and sold it for 300,000, they put $70,000 into it and they had 25,000 of closing costs. They really made $5,000. So mm. those, some of those shows are a little bit um, overly optimistic as to what you can actually make. If you're not sure, talk to some great local realtors. Realtors are in your corner and they can really guide you through every step of the way, just like your local lender can. Okay. So, so I have, I have, I have flipped them, but it's been over at least holding them for a year. Okay. Okay. So you are a published author. You've written articles, as you had mentioned in USA and dozen of other publications. What made you want to write? Um, well, I love words. And in third grade, I won a contest. 
and I'm a competitive person. So when I went to contest, I found something I was good at. I cannot do athletics. I mean, God gave me a brain to go to the library. He did not give me a body to be on the track field. I can tell you that. I just am terrible. I can't do a cartwheel. So I wanted to get into something that was uh, good for me. And writing was writing comes very easily to me. Mm-hmm. I like to write stories. I like to write something I'm passionate about. And I've been writing for over 20 years professionally as well. It's my mortgage company. I wrote a food and wine column for a while for about a year and a half. The food and wine column was a blast to write, but um, it's a lot of work. And uh, I had to kind of stick more with what I was expert at, which is mortgage business. Mm-hmm. So when I write my columns, I write about what to do if you're getting divorced. And, you know, what do you do with your credit cards? What do you do with your home? What, you know, what's the next step? So I write about that. I write about managing budgets and um, should you buy a rent? Should you sell some of your real estate now? Should you invest in the stock market instead? So mm-hmm. I try to write about topics that I'm very comfortable with and that I have personal experience with. But okay. writing, writing is a blast. Okay. Is a blast. What is your favorite topic outside of real estate? My number one what? Your favorite topic outside of real estate. Oh, that'd be sports. Sports? I'm a, sports. You know, my birthday is next month, but March Madness should be a national holiday. It really should. The month of March, the March Madness, it should be a national holiday. There's TVs in my office going everywhere. I'm just a sports junkie. I'm an Olympics junkie. I love sports. I you know love football, hockey, basketball, baseball, you name it. I pretty much follow it. I love golf. So you, you name it, I'm a, I'm a sports junkie. So besides besides writing and besides working, you will find me either at a game, which I missed out because of COVID. I went to the Super Bowl two years ago. And I said, this is the greatest thing. I can't wait to go to my next sports event and haven't been to one since. I'm looking forward to going to that again. Okay. That's where you'll find me is watching sports. Okay. So you also just mentioned golf. What was your feeling when your column of men's golf, um, British Open, went worldwide? I couldn't believe it. I, I could not believe it. It was about a local golfer here that won the British Open. And he actually missed the British Open last year because of a technical glitch. When he submitted his form, they didn't get it and he had submitted it. So he didn't get to go. So I wrote kind of a tongue-in-cheek column about, you know, make sure that whenever you're submitting your entry form that you make sure you get that confirmation. So it was kind of a funny article, but it went it went viral. And uh, someone at Golf Week uh, ended up, I told them about it. They ended up writing about it too. So both of us wrote it. We were the number one trending story for a while. I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Wow. So I got, really got the bug about that. But um it was it was a lot of fun and he was a good participant and a cooperative uh cooperative person in the article obviously we wouldn't do it without his permission but um he it was just you know i did a i did a checklist you know he's got his airline ticket check his luggage check work visa check everything there and then registration form Uh (laughs) uh-oh the day before he's supposed to leave he's like i'm not gonna go and he won the british open in the past so it was it was a lot of fun to write that article and I was just tracking it, you know, I was number three on Yahoo Sports for a while and then I saw it was in the UK Times and in, in uh, Worldwide and that just was incredible. That was just, I, I couldn't believe it. my first sports article and it went viral. Yeah, that's really cool. How do you handle mental blocks? Oh gosh, I try to do something. In other words, I try to do something physical. Mm-hmm. If I'm having a mental block with writing, I'll stop what I'm doing, I'll go for a walk, I'll go cook. Cooking for me is therapy. I'm Portuguese and Irish and Scottish, so um, we live around food. Uh, but doing something for somebody else is another way that I can get rid of mental block. Mm-hmm. If, if, and I do that too. If I'm if I'm uh, having some down days, I think if you find that if you do something for somebody else, especially something nice for somebody else, then it makes you feel better. Yeah. And sometimes with writer's block, that's what I do as well. But I try to do something physical or um, cooking is pro- probably my number one thing I do. Get my mind off of it write about something else and then come back to it. Mm-hmm. 
That seems to open up the words. Open up the words a little bit more. We're taking another pause for the cause. This is Sandrine from Belgium. This is one of the songs that I wrote entitled Runaway. Everyone knows that COVID affected a lot of people negatively. We lost a lot of people, but how has it positively impacted your business? Well, the rates got very, very low. You know, after COVID started and the interest rates went down to the you know two percent, two and a quarter percent. We worked harder than we ever had worked in 2021, the first year of COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, worked, I worked 65, 70 hours a week for wow. most of that year. Um, whenever you're able to help somebody by lowering their rate, let's say they paid 4% interest and now you could lower their rate to 2.5 and you're sending, saving them 400, 500, $600 a month. I saved one lady $1,500 a month in her mortgage payment. So that was a positive for us, just the sheer volume of people that we were able to help with their mortgage. A lot of people were able to buy houses. 
mm-hmm. we had some first time home buyers that, you know, at the, at the interest rate of 4%, they couldn't afford to buy a home. Mm-hmm. But when the interest rates got down to two and a half percent, they could afford to buy a home. So that was a real positive for us in the mortgage business is um, just the sheer volume of people that we were able to help. I, I do have a, another question for you with that very thing that you just talked about. When it drops is the 2.5% and everything. Do you go to your previous customers and say, hey, the score is now, you know, the percentage rate is now this? Absolutely. Our okay. number one source of business is our current customers and our referrals. So I would say probably 75, 70 to 75% of my business is from my current customer database because I have been here so for so long and I have so many customers. The first people reach out to was our customers and say, listen, we got to wait for you to refinance your home. Give us some paperwork. Let's do some of this behind the scenes back office work and let's save you, you know, substantial amount of money. So the current customers always come first yeah. and then we were able to help and get it. We were able to gain some market share and able to gain new customers mm-hmm. because a lot of times, you know, the internet lenders, they don't, they don't have the same level of service we do. Yeah. And we also, like I said, try to peel the layer of the onion back more and allow them to be able to talk to us openly and tell mm-hmm. us what's on their mind. You know, we just don't push buttons and push out a mortgage. We want to listen to the customer. We want right. to find what we really need. You know, I think it's a real mistake with some of these internet lenders that you're just going to be driving by and see an open house and pop in there. And I think I want to make this half a million dollar decision in two seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, before you sit down and talk to somebody, it's a lot of money. It's not like ordering a pound of coffee online. Right. It's, it's a big deal. And there's consequences if you don't make the right decision. When you sign a contract to buy a home, it's not a suggestion. It's a contract that you're going to be held to. And I've seen people waste thousands and thousands of dollars because they made a quick decision without really thinking it through mm-hmm. and without getting the proper pre-approval that they should have. You know, most lenders do free pre-approvals just like we do. And the thing is to make sure that you've sat down and talked to somebody and really gone over if this is the right decision for you. Well, I see I'm going to tell you now. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Let me tell yeah. you, my 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 realtor. I mean, I guess I guess she's like, well, shoot, I sold you your house over 20 years ago, and you need me calling you because she missed the mark. She didn't call me and tell me, hey, percentages drop. She didn't do that. So it's really refreshing to know that you do do that for your clients. We need to get your email before we leave today, and I'll make sure that you get every update there is. All right, please do, please do. <laughs> so are you still serving on the Federal Reserve Committee? And what's the power of a dollar today, in your opinion? Oh, the power of dollar. Inflation is a problem right now. That yeah. you know, I don't I don't grocery shop a lot. I have somebody that helps me with that. And mm-hmm. I went to grocery shopping on Christmas Eve and I said, when did this become insert dollar amount? You know, when did turkey breast at the deli cost $16 a pound? Right. Um, I'm not going to lie about that. I am worried about inflation right now. Um, the Federal Reserve is a tremendous, tremendous asset to this country. People have no idea what they really do to keep things stable in this country. And we are so blessed in this country to have a Federal Reserve like we do. So I do a little bit of work with them on some of the committees that they have. They actually reach out to local businesses uh, like myself and say, tell us what's going on on, on Main Street, you know, not just what's on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So the Federal Reserve is, is really a very interesting thing to work on. But we are very blessed in this country that they really know what they're doing and they keep a track on it. They keep a handle on inflation. So I think there will be some improvement shortly. But that's that's scary right now. It is scary. It, it really is. So you have received over 50 awards for your contributions. Yes. What one do you feel was your biggest impact personally and professionally and why? Oh, Gosh, I, I got an award about five or six years ago and it was for our county and it was um, for 
philanthropy and volunteerism, when I say philanthropy, I'm not talking just dollars, I'm talking about a time. And that really meant a lot to me that they had chosen me as somebody, I'm a simple girl. You know, I came from very, very humble backgrounds. We lived in a trailer. I did not graduate college. I went for a little while, but I didn't. So for somebody like me to be um, honored like that and saying, listen, you really made something of yourself, you know, through your own hard work and through the help that you received from others. It's really, it was really, really nice to be recognized that way. Cause I do do a lot of volunteer work. I do a lot of work with different organizations, with, with women, with, um, you know, you name it, I probably have been involved in it. So to me, that's the biggest positive that I can give back to society is to help, you know, wherever I can. And I tell people, the more I give, man, my income just goes up every year. The more I donate, things just get better for me. When wow. I, the years I don't do as well, I don't do as well in my career either. When I don't do as much volunteer work and as much, um, you know, community support that I can. And I, I even wrote an article about it once. And I tell people, if you can't volunteer your time or give some money just because it's the right thing to do, do it for your own selfish reasons, because you know what will happen if you invest in your own community, that person that you're investing in, that person's going to own a business someday and they may be supporting your business mm -hmm. and do it for the collateral benefit. Don't think of collateral damage. Think of the collateral benefit it has to help us all live in a nice community and everybody can donate a couple of hours of their time a month. Everybody can. Mm -hmm. And if everybody does that, you think of the positive change that we can have happen. And, and that's exactly what I promote. I really like the collateral benefit. Collateral benefit. Yeah, I like it. Not collateral damage, collateral benefit. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> what advice? And I said, that be personal. So on a, on a professional level, um, my mortgage company was voted best mortgage company eight years in a row. So I would say that on a professional level. Wow. Okay. So your mortgage company is really doing good. It's doing really well. I can't tell you the team. I, I can't tell you enough about the team I have around me. They just are the most amazing people. And, um, you know, when my, my son actually worked for us for a little while back in back years ago, and uh, he used to convince everyone that they had to wear purple because of the women's soccer team for Orlando. So we had our, our, our company, you know, would wear purple and stuff in honor of him and some of our customers did too. So that was always fun to, to circle back to. Yeah, that's really good. The, the company that you're with now, has this been the company you've always been with? Oh. No, I'm almost like a franchise. So my parent company is called Primary Residential Mortgage, and they're out of Utah. They're a privately held company. So I have Dyer Mortgage here as part of them. And um, I've been here for 10 years. In April, it'll be my 10th anniversary. Okay. Prior to that, I was at Wells Fargo for 18 years, and then another mortgage company before that. So a little over 30 years total experience. But the best decision I ever made was to open up my own mortgage company. I opened up at the bottom of the market right after the crash with the stock market. And when everybody was selling everything and it was terrible. So I thought, well, what better time to do it? I'll do it when everything else is crashing. So you I know, I've heard that before. I've heard that's when you buy. When right? everything's crashing, that's when you start that's when you start buying everything. That's exactly right. Warren Buffett has a saying that's somewhat similar to that, that I thought, well, you know what? Not now when. Yeah. If I do it at the top of the market, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna pay more for everything. It'll be harder to get employees, it'll be harder to break away from the company I had. And you know, the company I had before was fine, but I really wanted it to be boutique. -y. I wanted it to be about files, not families. And I wanted to be able to sit down with people and really make a difference in their life. And we do that one customer at a time, one family at a time. We will never be the biggest, but I think we'll always be the best. I love it. I love it. <laughs> what advice would you give your 25 year old self and why? Oh, that's a good one. My 25 year old self, I would say just keep assuming that you can do it. You know, just assume that you can do it. I never went into any kind of business or any kind of um, situation assuming that I was going to fail. I just assumed I could do it. 
you know, my parents, we grew up really poor and my parents didn't, you know, give me a pat on the head and said, you're a girl, go, you know, do girl things. They can, I could do that, but I wanted to do all these other things. I wanted to be in business when I was 13, 14 years old. I just never assumed, I never assumed I couldn't do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I could t- teach myself something fairly easily and learn from that. And then I would just say, okay, self, this is what we're going to do. And I would have less fear than I did then. I had a lot more fear when I was 25 about making other people happy. Mm-hmm. No, I had a fear of failure sometimes. I had a feel of I wanted to be the best mom ever. That was my number one priority was, you know, feel, you know, get this little baby in your hand. He's five pounds, five ounces. Like, I don't want to drop him and, and right. hurt him. Um, that my 25 year old self, I would say, just assume you can do it. Don't be afraid. Go for it and live your life for yourself and for your family and those that are important to you. You don't have to make everybody else have, pick and choose who you want to make happy because you're not going to make everybody happy. That's for sure. Definitely. I would tell myself, 25 self, go. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Right. Don't start so late. You can do it. <laughs> so how can everybody find you, find your movie? Oh, that's great. Oh, thanks. So um, I am bobbydyer.com. So that's B-O-B-B-I-E-D-Y-E-R.com. And there'll be some um, additional uh, enhancements to that website soon with the movie links and my mortgage and writing links. But I am on Instagram as bobby.dyer. And I'm on Facebook as Bobby Dyer. So I'm BobbyDyer.com. We can feel more friendly anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, like I tell my staff, I'm a legend in my own mind. You can find me anywhere. But right. uh, Facebook or Instagram for the most part right now would be the best way. And we'll have some great announcements coming soon on our social media. And they'll have links directly to the movie and um, additional information on that. Okay. Well, I would like to thank you so much for being transparent. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Great, great. Love, love, love. Had a great time. It was great, great seeing you. Yeah, it was great seeing you too. And with that, everybody, we are out of here. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Thank Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Transparency Talks Podcast. I'm going to leave you with Dave Tolliver, something like the greatest. Number Jack. Black Bobby, uh, 3,000 swag on him, yeah man, six hours, what's up bro, yeah, uh-huh, lumberjack in the building, it's a Midwestern Dirty South collabo, let's rock out, here we go, uh, listen, yeah I'm still killing it, and everybody's still feeling it, still gunning like a 21, in other words, dog, I get it done Don't mess around with the business When I'm done, you'll be asking for forgiveness In other words, I'm the realest It ain't no way you can kill this And everybody wanna know where I've been I've been right here I ain't going nowhere A man don't like it, but I bet he won't say it. Yeah, I'm something like the greatest. I'm number one on the playlist. A man don't like it, but I bet he won't say it. Don't need no 
your gimmicks turn to auto-tune Ask your mom and listen close to what she's telling you Might even be my illegitimate Cause back in the day, me and my squad was killing it Years later, still relevant The game will change, but they still smelling it Inhaling it, for the hell of it I got the key to the lock, but I ain't selling it And everybody wanna know where I've been I've been right here, I ain't going nowhere Oh no, no And they all in my business A man know he like it, but I bet he won't say it. Yeah. I'm something like the greatest. Oh, yeah. I'm number one on the playlist. A man know he like it, but I bet he won't say it. Not Ricky, but Black Pirate. Mike Killer, been known to catch a body. Skills. Ben did it, ask about me Vendetta gets all those who doubt me Had bread, sliced it up, gave it out Still winning, good living, me lose something I doubt Headhunter, at your chest, throat and juggler Amazed how this OG move, got you comparing on See y'all be in the lab using tech for perfection And still need to try it again till y'all perfected The only thing y'all know how to talk is cushion tipping You can see it all in my walk, the gift for ripping Swag should be I'll line the chalk, you done, it's finished And now you say I turned out for what? You done, you finished I only work with legends, Hall of Fame is my bucket list I just had to let you know Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I'm something like the greatest Ooh, I'm something like the greatest Yeah, I'm number one on the playlist A man don't like it, but I bet he won't say it I'm something like the greatest I'm number one on the playlist of man know me like it, but I bet he won't say it. Yeah. Hey, 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 h